God up and to keep Him first. Just a moment in our worship. And prayerfully it will trickle on uh, to our everyday lives. It is great to see you. I'm glad to see you members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance as well. Let's go to God, please, together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, creator and sustainer of all life, maker of all things, we praise your holy and divine name. We thank you for the wonderful Holy Spirit who was sent to seal us to the day of redemption. And for Jesus, your great Son, in whom you sent to die on that cruel cross of Calvary, that we might live. And now here we are today to worship you. And it's because of your patience and your willingness to save us and your desire for all to be saved that today has come. We ask, Lord God, that you will help us as we worship you to clear our minds of worldly thoughts. And bless us, Lord God, to focus only on you, on your word, your will, and your way. And bless us to be ever thankful for your great Son who so willingly died that we might live. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank you, if it be thy will. Amen. The sign of Jonah. We'll look at the book of Jonah in just a minute, but, you know, we're highlighting Jesus. In the Old Testament, in every book of the Bible. So the account found in the book of Jonah, it has a life-giving message. And it's not a cute little kid's tale, but an actual event that saved thousands of lives, thousands of people. And it has a spiritual connection of depth to it. We'll get to that in just a bit. The account goes much deeper than the city of Nineveh and the sea monster. I want us to turn to Matthew, or John rather, excuse me. John chapter 2. The challenge to Jesus continually was prove to us that you have the authority to do the things that you do. And they wanted to see a sign over and over again. Show us a sign. Let's look at these accounts quickly and then get to the book of Jonah. John chapter 2, please, in verse 13. And the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the muddy changers seated. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a house of merchandise. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for thy house will consume me. The Jews, therefore, answered and said to him, What sign? Do you show us, seeing that you do these things? Give us a miracle. Show us your authority or where it comes from. John 4, please. The verse is 46. He came therefore again to Cain of Galilee, 
where he made the water wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was requesting him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus therefore said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. John 11. What if Jesus were here today? Would there be more believers? What would I change in my life if Jesus were here today? Well, he is here, but in spirit. John 11, verse 14. Again, they wanted to see a sign. The Bible says, Then Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus, is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then the text goes on to talk about this resurrection that would come their way. Would they believe that? Would they believe that? Luke 11 Beginning at verse 14. Would they believe in the resurrection? The thing that makes everything right again. That turns an upside down world back upright. Would they believe in the resurrection? Luke 11 and verse 14. The Bible says, And as he was casting out a demon, it was dumb and it came about that when the demon had gone out, the dumb man spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven. A sign. Luke 11 and verse 29. The Bible says, And as the crowds were increasing, they began to say, This generation is a wicked generation. It seeks for a sign. And yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so shall the Son of Man be to this generation. Turn to Matthew 12, please. This is all about the resurrection. Will they believe? In the resurrection. Matthew 12, beginning at verse 1, please. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath through the grain fields. And his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Behold, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. And they begin to attack Jesus. It's all about Matthew 12. They're, they're attacking Jesus and attacking Jesus. And jump over to verse 13. The man is, is ill and has a withered hand. Verse 13 says, Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and counseled together against him as to how they might destroy him. Verse 22. Then they brought, it was brought to him, 
a demon-possessed man who was blind and dumb, and he healed him so that the dumb man spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and began to say, This man cannot be the son of David. Can he? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And then verse 38. 38 says, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign shall be given it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. He says, An evil generation seeks for a sign. How many of us believe in the resurrection? And how many in the world are still seeking for a sign? The sign of Jonah was not just for the Pharisees, but for the entire world. The sign of Jonah is both a metaphor and a prophecy of of Jesus' crucifixion, his burial, and resurrection. And so I want to go look at Jonah chapter 1. And I want you to recognize and remember that the sign of Jonah is not just for those folks who were there at that time. But the sign of Jonah is a sign for even us. For the whole entire world. In Jonah 1, beginning at verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa and found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So the Assyrians, these Gentiles, the Assyrians were a wicked and cruel people. But you know what Jonah teaches us? God loves everybody. God loved the wicked and cruel Assyrians just as much as he loved Jonah and the Jews. And in chapter 4, Jonah knew this. Verse 1, But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Jonah had no mercy and did not want the Gentiles to be saved. And that is what this sign of Jonah is all about. It's about bringing salvation to the entire world. The sign of Jonah where sinners are called out of darkness. Both Nineveh and the Pharisees were stubborn and rebellious people. The difference is the Gentiles heard the message and repented 
But the Pharisees rebelled. For they proved to be more rebellious than the Gentiles that Jonah refused to preach to. The Pharisees proved to be more rebellious than the people of the day. And these were the people who were the leaders, supposedly, of the people of God. Jonah chapter 1 brings us to our event. Verse 14. Then they called on the Lord after God shook up the, the boat through the sea. and Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. And do not put innocent blood on us, for thou, O Lord, hast done as thou hast pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped. It's raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 12. The plan of salvation comes through Jesus to a wicked and rebellious nation. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah being swallowed by the great fish was a foreshadowing of the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What will it take to get people to believe in the resurrection? So as Jesus preached and taught, they kept saying, show us a sign, show us a sign, show us a sign. And God says, there'll be no sign but the sign of Jonah. We want to know what the sign of Jonah is. Show us a sign, show us a sign, and then we'll believe in you. When he was on the cross, they said, come down from the cross, come down from the cross, and then we'll believe. You know the problem? The problem was they wouldn't believe. Because they didn't even believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection that was spoken. They didn't believe in the resurrection that they witnessed. They just refused to believe. And Jesus called it. Jesus said, you people will not believe unless you see a sign. What kind of sign would cause the whole world to believe? The sign of Jonah. The resurrection. Church, when we go out and talk to folks about Jesus, talk to them about the resurrection. In verse 38 of Matthew chapter 12, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. Could he be talking about us as well? And yet no sign shall be given it, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know there are still Christians today arguing about whether or not Jesus was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. 
You know those same Christians are arguing about whether Jonah was in the belly of the sea monster for three days and three nights? In other words, what's being said is, is that there are Christians who are still struggling with the resurrection. So why would Jesus point to an event that wasn't true to prove an event that comes true? That wouldn't make any sense, would it? Why would Jesus speak to some story that may or may not be accurate in regards to the greatest event that has ever happened on the face of the earth and that will ever happen again? That Jesus Christ was the first and only man to die, never to die again, and he rose up from the grave. The resurrection. So Jesus pointed forward to that most significant event of all. Verse 41, it goes on to say, Then the men of Nineveh, the men of Nineveh shall stand up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So someone greater than Jonah was speaking to them. Maybe they didn't believe in Jonah either. Why were they struggling when Jesus says, do you remember Jonah? The sign of Jonah is not just the resurrection, brethren. The sign of Jonah also includes the proclamation or the proclaiming of the message of Jesus Christ authenticated by the resurrection of the Messiah. They both go together. It wasn't that Jonah was just spewed out, if you will, uh, out of the sea monster to Nineveh. It was that he was spewed out, and then he went out to proclaim the message of God. And so when we think of the resurrection, it's something that must be proclaimed to a lost and dying world. The sign of Jonah, then, again, is a proclamation or a proclaiming of the message of Jesus Christ authenticated by the resurrection. Show us a sign. Jesus says, I'll give you the greatest sign for all humanity. The sign of Jonah. When you teach the book of Jonah, recognize that it speaks to the greatest miraculous event that will and has ever happened on the face of the earth. And the design of it is to bring men to repentance. Matthew, please, chapter 28. But here's what happened. When the guards witnessed the greatest event that ever happened on the face of the earth, they did the unthinkable. Verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his garments as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. That's their own personal experience 
that they saw this large stone that was sealed moved. An angel sits on top of it. They became like dead men because of the greatness of what they were witnessing. And they shook for fear. And Jesus got up. And the angel, the Bible says, answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for He has risen, just as He said, Come and see the place where He was lying. And go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. And behold, He is going before you in the Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. The guards witnessed it. And they went back and they told the leaders. But even though they saw the truth, they witnessed the sign. Money became the God that replaced truth. And I pray God that we are not found to be guilty of allowing money to replace what we know to be true. The resurrection. It's because of that resurrection, please turn to Acts chapter 10, that multitudes have believed in Jesus. It is because of that resurrection that our faithfulness to God has to be something that's identifiable. People will know us by our love that we exemplify. We have to be different people because of the great resurrection that has occurred. Acts 10 and verse 29. 39 rather. We are all witnesses of the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Wait. You can check secular history. They'll tell you about a resurrection. We check religious history. They tell us about a resurrection. And you can ask God. And God will tell you through his book about the resurrection. And Peter preaches to the Gentiles about the resurrection. And he says in verse 40, God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible. And Jesus went out, the Bible says, and he went to many, many people, multitudes of people. I think there are like over 16 different accounts of, of people that witnessed Jesus Christ in the flesh, resurrected new. In verse 41, not to all peop- the people, but to witnesses to who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after He rose from the dead. We ate and drank before, but no, no, no. We ate and drank with Jesus after his resurrection. We are witnesses. What are you going to do about that? Acts chapter 2. Christianity and service to God is not just doing the right thing. It's doing the only thing. The resurrection, the sign of Jonah is for us. I pray this morning we're listening to what God has not only told us, and then he gave us a metaphor. He showed us Jonah. He showed us Jesus. 
He gave us witnesses. In Acts 2, in verse 22, the Bible says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. I mean, it wasn't a doubt. It was, it was the obvious. Everybody knew. This man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Impossible. That's powerful. It was impossible. Impossible. Church, we are part of the impossible. Sign of Jonah. Go tell the world. It's not just talking about the resurrection and talking about Jonah and Jesus, but it's the power of the resurrection. Show us a sign for your authority. Watch this. I'm going to die, be buried, and raised from the dead. And Jesus takes it one step further. He says, I'm going to raise myself. What do we do with this, church? Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made them both Lord and Christ. This is Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the powerful resurrection, and then he talks about salvation because there's going to be another resurrection. But you've got to believe the first in order to be a part of the second. What do we do with this? The first resurrection. You've got to die. That old man of sin has to die. In the watery grave of salvation. Going down mind, body, and soul into the water. After you have confessed his name and have found godly sorrow in your heart, And in that water, God does what only God can do. Washes your sins away. And then He gives you a gift. Not only because of your obedience, but He gives you a gift of the Holy Spirit to help you along the way. What do we do with this church? And then finally, Acts 24. And here's the reason why the first resurrection is critical to all humanity. Verse 15. Having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Where will you stand with God? On Judgment Day? That's the question. Is the sign of Jonah enough? 
This morning, if we can help in any way, if you're not a child of God, to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. This morning, if you are struggling in your faith and we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live.